0: We are six days away from the 2020 NFL Draft here on the Orange of or Black Inside. This is the latest listener questions episode, and you may be surprised because, not Anthony, but me, John, is entering the show, and I requested to do this because something happened today um, that was kind of in the known for a couple of days. Uh, the Jungle is obviously in a website or a blog under the umbrella company of SB Nation, and they are owned by Vox Media. And... Today, unfortunately, it was announced that a lot of the furloughs were happening at Vox Media. Um, a, a lot of great writers, uh, just to name a few: uh, Spencer, who does uh, Banner Society; Natalie w- Weiner of SB Nation; Alex Krishner of SB Nation. A lot of great writers who have been there for many years are now going to be on a leave of absence for a couple months. And I just wanted to open the show to, I, my, you know, just to address that issue that's going on right now, but also to give appreciation to the Vox Media Union that was formed last year when they were having some labor disputes with the Vox Media company that you know wanted to, unfortunately, in, in times like these, there's a lot of people getting laid off and a lot of work stoppages and stuff like that. So quick appreciation to our Vox Media Union for uh, fortunately, at least giving them some rep- resemblance of job security after a lot of this stuff pays over. They'll still have benefits, they'll still have buyout options and all that stuff. So just just a quick appreciation shout out to the, the union that covers the SB Nation employees, but also recognizing that this, this pandemic right now is affecting a lot of people and a lot of people have it a lot worse, you know, furloughs are, I guess, the best case scenario for when, when companies are starting to downsize in times like this, but I just felt like I needed to open the show to recognize that, but on a more lighter note, we have a lot of listener questions to get to, and I will turn it over to Anthony. How are you doing today, man? Yeah,
1: I, I'm good. I'm good. That's a good. That's a good way to, to start. I mean, it's a little bit of a somber note, but it's it. It's also you know a tip of the cap to some of those people that have tip of the new era cap to some of those people that uh, have done a lot of work for SB Nation, Vox Media, et cetera. And I got to say this: some of you may have noticed. I, I haven't publicly really come out with with this piece of information. John knows a little bit about it. The guys at Cincy Jungle Jungle know a little bit about it. For those who live in the state of California, a recent bill that was passed with the new year has affected part-time workers or contracted workers like myself. So uh, if you've noticed, my writing, aside from posting the podcasts and interviews that we do on cincyjungle.com, my writing has lessened because of where I live and this bill affecting me. I'm not... Unions to me are not, are are far from perfect, but they do serve some very good purposes. Um, That's just my, kind of my personal view. And I I think that this union kind of stepped up for Vox. And I I have to give a little appreciation to Vox and SB Nation because they have worked with me. You know, I've voiced that I want to continue doing the podcast and I want to continue doing some writing, um, however that may look. And, And, you know, there's been some preliminary talks about that. Obviously, with this situation, things have kind of ground to a halt but they have been more than willing to engage me and indulge me in potential opportunities and work with me based on what's happening in california in terms of its uh, governmental situation so i i i, I want to say thank you to them as well and a good point bringing that up john so, uh, you know, our thoughts to some of those people that, you know, are, are experiencing a little bit of tough times. But like you said, it's a furlough. It's not necessarily layoffs. And I think some of that stuff was avoided, which not still not good news, but in the overarching theme of it, I guess, good news. But moving on, this is listener questions live. We've got a lot to get to. You guys have slammed us with questions, which we love, we love, we love. So keep them coming. We're going to get to as many as we can. Sometimes we get a little chatty and we go a little long on some of these questions. We will probably answer some in that type of fashion, but we're going to try and go a little more rapid fire to get to as many as we can. Call and text us, 949-542-6241. Get a hold of us there. We've got a chat in both the Facebook and the YouTube channels where you can leave questions to us live there. Tweet at us at BengalsOBI on Twitter or John double underscore Sheeran on Twitter. You can can leave those there. We also have a live comment section running on CincyJungle.com. So leave your questions there. We'll try and get to them. Email us theobinsider at gmail.com. We'll try and get to as many as we can we appreciate the feedback. One more thing, some housekeeping notes. In case you didn't listen to the Wednesday episode, go listen to that one. We've got Icky Woods on that show. Great interview, fun time. Just to lay out what's ahead and and some things that have happened recently. Ace Ace Boogie and Zim Hude, the other guys on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel interviewed Sean Williams. So that's out. That audio is out. Go check that one out. A great interview there. Our boy, Matt Minnick, Coach Minnick has uh, interviewed both Sean Salisbury, uh, formerly of ESPN and a nationally syndicated guy, really entertaining interview. I I had the opportunity to listen to that one. That's a really good one. Um, And Nate Fairbaugh, uh, another guy that he interviewed to give some insight on, on the draft. So check those out next week. We've, we've got the listener questions today next week. We've got an interview with Anthony Munoz, locked and loaded Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern. If you're able to join us live, we are very excited about that. And we are finalizing an interview probably the same day or maybe Tuesday with the Honey Jones. I guess, I mean, just super cool, super cool opportunity to talk to him. First time he has been on the program. So we're talking with him. We've got some other shows planned during the week. We've got our usual Wednesday show where we're trying to get James Rapine on that show. And then, of course, we've got the draft coverage and the following days coming up there. So a lot, a lot, a lot going on on the show going forward as we kick off draft week. Go check out what's already out. Go check out what's going to be coming out in terms of interviews, et cetera. Thanks a bunch. Listen to how you can on a bunch of different platforms. Let's go, John. Cue us up first.
0: All right. So I wanted to get to this, this question first uh, from on Twitter. Uh, from a guy named Perk Nowitzki, which is an interesting name. Um, He was talking about this question that came up on Get Up a few days ago, which is the program of uh, which uh, Mel Kyber went on. His Pro Bengals ran a couple days ago. And the question was, would you rather have Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, or Joe Burrow, if they're all available, if they're all three coming out of college, who do you think would get picked first?
1: Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, and what was the third
0: one? Baker Mayfield.
1: So that's a difficult one because I think that's a really good question. I, I, I think all those guys were kind of essentially one year wonder guys, all Heisman guys. Um, you know, they had to bide their time because, you know, Baker Baker played and Kyler was waiting in the in the wings at Oklahoma. So they and then Baker was behind, you know, kind of the one year wonder thing with each of them. I, I just think still and, and call me a Homer if you want. I still say Burrow because of the season. I had this conversation with a friend last night, because of the season he had, I I you know, he had Joe Brady and and all of the help on, on offense, et cetera, but I, I still think you gotta be pretty dang talented to put up a season like that.
0: It's interesting because, yes, Baker had his best year when he won the Heisman, he, but he still had a couple of good years of production at Oklahoma, and you can say what you want about producing the Big 12, but it was still high-quality production. So I think Mayfield had the most consistent production of all three, and that's one of the reasons why he was taken number one. Kyler Murray probably has the best arm talent of the three of them, and he has the most mobility to him, so you can do more You know, from an offensive standpoint in terms of the versatility of him. And then Burrow probably has the best intangibles and probably is is the guy that teams would trust the most and would probably interview the the best because Murray had the whole situation with baseball and there were some teams that didn't trust, you know, Baker's maturity and, and everything. So all three of them kind of have positives and negatives that kind of outweigh each other. I think if they all came out in the same year, Burrow would, I guess, be the, the quote-unquote safest guy because he looks, he looks the type, he yeah. talks the type, and, and he had, you know, all the accolades that came with it. And then I think it would be interesting to see because I think I'll, if if everybody knew what they knew about Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield now, I think Murray would go ahead of him because you know he is more mobile and you can do more things with him, and he, his arm is just naturally better. And he's probably even more accurate than Baker Mayfield is at this point in his career. And then Baker still has you know all the questions that came with him, and obviously he struggled a little bit in Cleveland uh, in his second year starting there. So I think it would probably go Burrow. Murray and Mayfield and that might be, it might seem like recency bias, but I think when you look at all the quarterbacks and and their totality of what makes them a prospect, I think just think about how the NFL thinks, I think Burrow would still go first, then the arm talent of Murray would trump all the positives that Baker had.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I agree with that. I think that it had Murray have, you know, if Murray was a little taller, had the stature we may we'd probably be having a different conversation and different ranking there but unfortunately it's not fortunately for him that's not the case and that's not the, really the case uh in the draft here but interesting hypothetical i like the question let's let's go on here the, let's we got to kind of i think go with the elephant in the room there's a lot i mean a lot of different ways people are asking about joe mixon right what's happening with yeah. joe mixon what's happening with joe mixon uh, what is Mixon worth? Uh, so this this may be, you know, I see loyal to a fault, the commenter on cincyjungle.com. I see, you know, there are some people in the live chat, Michael jo- Jodan, we'll mix, and, we'll mix and play week one, you know, all kinds of questions centering around the holdout, all that kind of stuff. Number one, let's clarify, there was not if you read Paul Daner Jr.'s article in The Athletic, there was not Joe Mixon is holding out. There is there is a possibility of it happening. There's nothing There's nothing like that materializing right now. This is something, we mentioned this when we went over Antonio Gibson's profile on last week's show. This is a possibility, you know, this is has to be in the periphery in terms of the Bengals draft class. Joe Mixon is entering the final year of his contract. He's likely looking for some resemblance of a payday that Christian McCaffrey had that has to play into things. So does he play week one? My answer to that right now would be yes. Is there a holdout? I would say probably not because the Bengals have already engaged in some form of a talk. According to them, it's not going well, but I don't think there's going to be a holdout personally. Mixon seems to be kind of the raw, raw guy. Now, when you mess with someone's dollars, that, Definitely changes some perspectives, but I don't see that happening. I do think ultimately that the Bengals extend Mixon. It may take a while to come to some sort of an agreement. I know, John, you're not a fan of extending Mixon per se, especially at certain dollar amounts. That's how I see things as we sit here right before the draft.
0: It's not personal. I think with Mixon's case, people are saying that oh, he should be kissing the Bengals' feet because they took a chance on him when they drafted him. And I don't necessarily think that's true. I was one of the people who didn't want to draft Joe Mixon because I think his rap report spoke for itself or his rap sheet spoke for itself. But in all fairness, in the three years that he's been here, he's been nothing but a, a model citizen and a, and a model guy in the locker room. He's done everything he's he's been asked to do. He's grown a lot, I think, as a person. And I think that's what the bang, the Bengals were banking on. So I don't think he owes the Bengals any loyalty in that sense. I think it's just a delusion of what running backs think that they're worth nowadays. Um even if Joe Mixon was used like Christian McCaffrey, which I think we all believe he has the capability and talent to do, the value of Christian McCaffrey is not sixty million dollars a year. Right. Right. Like the, the value of these running backs who get these contracts, they're they're just embellished because, in uh, honesty, running backs are, are easy fan favorites. You know they're on people's fantasy teams. They touch the ball fifteen twenty times a game. They're they're people that fans easily know and can you know root for because they, they, we follow the ball, we watch the ball, and they have the ball a lot and they get easy yards from time to time, and it, they just are easy people to think that they help the team a lot. And then Mixon obviously has the attitude of a guy who's you know obviously positive in the locker room, and you can say he's a leader in, in that sense, or he's growing into one. He's a guy who brings a lot of energy. This is all great subjective things. If this is the center of your argument about paying a guy, you know, one of your, one of your top five contracts on the team, it's not a strong enough argument. The value of what Joe Mixon does, regardless of how talented he is, he, you can make the easy argument that he's a top 10 running back in the league, top 10 running back money is not a smart contract to give like Joe Mixon's worth is probably in the five to $6 million range for what, for what the actual value on a football field that he does. He will obviously not take that contract. He wants something far above $10 million a year, which is why I think the Bengals are their price range is probably in the eight to $10 million range. It's something that Mixon's going to have to probably accept because even if he wants something that resembles Christian McCaffrey, the Bengals are just simply not going to offer that. And he has no leverage in this case. Andre Prada, A friend of the show who tweeted out, you know, basically under the new CBA, which by the way, Joe Mixon did not want to pass. Then under this new CBA, it basically eliminates any possibility of somebody playing under a rookie contract to hold out. Because if he skips the first day of training camp, he forgoes his fourth accrued season and he's ineligible for free agency in 2021. He loses all leverage of, 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 of any type of holdout necessary. I don't, I don't know how he plans to handle this, if that's his case. But the Bengals hold all the cards here. They have a price for him. It's probably not a lot enough for what Mixon wants. But I do think that they still want to bring him back. And this isn't going to be a a, Sunday Kevin Zyler situation.
1: So let's kind of continue because we're getting question upon question about Mixon because that's kind of, aside from the excitement of the draft, that's kind of the topic of the moment right now. Patrick Giles sent us an email saying the Bengals take a half back like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 65. Tampa trades OJ Howard and pick 76 to Cincinnati for Mixon. What do you think? I mean, personally, I I, I just think the Bengals, they're, they're probably not looking at a true running back. They've got Mixon at least in the fold, they think, for right now, for this year at least. I, don't, I think they've got other needs that they want to address. I know we don't like to say lock them into needs in their top picks. You maybe go a little more best player available. I understand that. But, I mean, they do need offensive linemen, tackles, interior offensive linemen. They will need a wide receiver of the future. They will need a quarterback. I mean, it, it, these are things that are going to be addressed early in the draft. So what do you think of that trade scenario and or do you think the Bengals – kind of draft a running back of the future in in some form or fashion this year?
0: I think who who they have a running back is fine. Like you can go far into the playoff. If if Joe Burrow is who you expect him to be, and that's a quarterback that you can build around and as the centerpiece of your offense, you don't need a star running back to to carry the load for him. If the centerpiece of your offense, which a lot of people claim is Joe Mixon, if, if he's a running back, you don't have a good offense the panthers don't have a good offense with christian mccaffrey as a centerpiece of and it. and it's not a matter of if they can afford it or not under the new cap structure it's just not there's, dan lintahart said this in a great, in a great way in a hard cap sport if you do not provide a a specific, a specific amount of value that's worth whatever you're getting paid it's just not feasible to to the opportunity cost is too great for the other alternatives there and i think trading for another trading him and getting another running back to replace him Again, I would rather have a more important player to, to compensate for the loss of Joe Mixon. I think if you have Rodney Anderson, Tra- Travion Williams, and Giovanni Bernard, and now Jacquez Patrick, could they just signed to a three-year deal, I think if those are your four Max you're doing better than most other teams if you have a, a passing game that's that's in the above average rankings in the NFL. So if they trade Mixon, I would I would hope they would use the, whatever compensation they have, either to draft a more valuable position or to, to get a, a player that is worth more value on the field.
1: The other... Question that was thrown to us—that's kind of in this topic. I mean, we're go- we're going to center a bunch of questions we're receiving around the mix and topic. Joey Meza on on Twitter at H Town Bengals: Is it possible to even keep Dalton on the team due to his seven point seven million? Especially when you're talking about a potential mix and extension. Granted, you can make the mix and extension more much more manageable than a McCaffrey extension. You can you can get creative, and the Bengals on a lot of their extensions that they give core players, you got to get, first of all, you got to give them credit because how they structure a lot of these deals. Yeah, there's a lot of money and a lot of, you know, but we've seen that there's not a lot of dead cap space towards the end of these deals. You know, they they structure them in a way that is beneficial to the team, even though they're taking care of their core players. And maybe they are using the goodwill that is built up in taking care of a player a year prior to when they hit free agency, they use that goodwill to kind of build a more team-friendly contract in some scenarios. But I don't think there's any – you can't keep Dalton's contract on on the books this year. I, I, there's there's just no way, mixing co- contract extension or not, to, to Joey's question, I don't think there's any way to, to do it. It's now what are you going to get, if anything, out of him
0: in terms right. of trade. And, yeah, and I, I think people have gone over the math about this, about like the 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 rookie pool – in terms of the, that, the, those total amount of, of salary cap dollars, it doesn't go into effect until the top 51 rule comes into effect. So I think technically they can still fit his $17 million cap number of throughout this offseason until those cap restrictions come into effect. But I don't I don't think they would like to do that. I think it's, it's a contingency in case things for some reason don't work out in terms of releasing him or trading him away. I think it, they still did this offseason with that in mind in case they, they wanted to do that. I think the plan is to, to still unload him at some point.
1: All right, let's move on a little bit here. We did a lot of Joe Mixon talk. You can get in touch with us. We've been receiving some texts. You can call or text 949-542-6241. You can leave your comment in the Cincy Jungle comment thread. We're getting a lot of comments in the live chats via YouTube or the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Thanks for joining us. However, you may be joining us. So get those to us. We've got some emails we're going to get to. Appreciate this, uh, you know all the all the support. We're seeing a lot of familiar faces in the in the live chat as well. Where uh, there is a celebrity in our midst, John. We've got Jake Liskow joining us from Locked On Bengals. All well, we invited him? Uh, he is really curious about your soft drink of choice situation. He tweeted at you earlier, I guess, about Surge, a soft he's drink. Really of showing
0: his, he's, he's really showing his age there. I mean, I know he's like in his in his early thirties or whatnot, but I've never been touch surge. Hey. Oh, I mean I, I I know you're old. Like I've sometimes oh, I forget right. that Jake's actually old yeah. as well. Hey, I was I was saying early thirties isn't old. I gosh.
1: Uh well I mean I don't it's not I'm drinking bang. No n- no advertising here, but I'm drinking bang. I, just, that's, I, that's I don't really enough.
0: drink energy drinks unless there's vodka in it.
1: So Okay. All right. Yeah that's a Vegas drink choice for sure. Uh, I've never had surge. It looks like a knockoff of Mountain Dew and that's not my jam. And, uh, but you know, whatever, if that's, if that's what some people like, that's fine. Uh, this is listener questions live on the orange and black insider Bengals podcast presented by new era caps. Go get your draft hat either through the Bengals Pro Shop, Fanatics.com, the NFL Shop. They've got a bunch of different dra- draft gear. They've taken care of our show. John will be wearing his lid soon as well. That's en route to him. So thanks to New Era it. For <laughs> So do I. That's why I got mine on. But thanks to New Era for taking care of us. You know, you can see the Houday on one side, the New Era logo. It's a really nice, comfortable hat. A lot of different styles. Go check that out. They've also, uh, yeah taking care of our show and they've been a a supporter of the show for a couple of years. So we appreciate that. Thanks to Keith over at new era hats. Let's keep it rolling. I got to get to this one, John, and then I'll let you cue one up. Jim Holler. Interesting last name because he hollered at us via email. Anthony, love your show. Listen every week. I've been posting a question every now and then, and it never gets addressed. Sorry, Jim. We try and get to as many as we can. (laughs) Uh, I thought I'd try your email. Come draft night. Bengals are at the podium for pick 33. And the following guys are still available. Who do you take and why? The guys that are available, Zach Bond, the the edge linebacker of of Wisconsin, Josh Jones, the tackle of Houston, Denzel Mims, the wide receiver of Baylor, or AJ Epinisa, the edge or defensive lineman from Iowa. Hope this finds you well. Stay safe. Thanks,
0: Jim. Sorry we took so long to answer your question, buddy. You go first. Uh, So so is Bond, Eponisa, and Josh Jones the other one?
1: Bond, Josh Jones, Denzel Mims, and Ebenezer. Oh, okay. Uh.
0: So I'm 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 looking at who is most likely to go in the first round. I think out of those four, you have Ebenezer as a guy who is probably going to get drafted in the late first. M- Mims seems to be going anywhere between the the mid part of the first round to the mid part of the second round. So we don't really know where he's going to go jones is kind of losing steam like there's apparently going to be six or seven offensive tackles and he might be the guy that drops into the second round and then bond you know he's had a diluted sample of comma we don't know how much that's going to affect where he's going to go because dave lapham's calling him a late second round player at this juncture which surprised a lot of us when we heard that from a week ago so i think they're all likely they all have likely chances of being there i think the guy i'd be most comfortable taking those josh jones he's the guy i have the least amount of questions about when it comes there i really like denzel mims i've almost you know, to the point where I'm almost banging the table for him, but that's assuming a guy like Jones isn't going to be there. I know obviously Anthony loves Josh Jones. He just profiled him last week in our uh, draft profile series. I'm not that big of a fan of Ebenezer. I think I think he's going to be a solid starter in the league, but uh, with that lack of speed to his game as a pass rusher, I think that's going to really limit what he can be. Uh, Zach Bond is an intriguing piece who can do multiple things, but I think Jones is the best in terms of what he can be in terms of a In terms of a a high-quality player who can also play multiple positions at a position that they really need.
1: I think – I said this before on Epinesa. I think ceiling, absolute ceiling for him if he hits every piece of potential is a Justin Smith light. Uh, I think you can move him around a bit on the defensive line. You know, decent athleticism but really, uh, you know, just a kind of a versatile piece and a guy who will just have a solid career. Justin Smith excelled in the San Francisco system. Obviously was a good player for the Bengals too, but really excelled as as he mo- was moved into a different scheme fit in San Francisco. But I, I don't see Eponisa hitting what Justin Smith ended up being, but I think he could be a, a, a Justin Smith light, a versatile piece along the front for a defense. I really like Josh Jones and, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to put out the vibe of you got to rush to the podium to get a guy because you need a tackle and you need, you know, the the thing is, John, we've talked about, you and I have said this on this show a lot, and it's kind of a, a prevailing opinion around the league. The, the tackle play around the league right now and the incoming tackle talent from the past few years has not been very strong. And this seems to be a very top heavy in terms of good talent a top heavy class at the offensive tackle position with the first six to eight guys, if not more being viable starters. So I, that's kind of where I lean. Personally, I'm really wanting a receiver by the end of night two. I, I, Mm. I I, I would be fine with Denzel Mims at number 33, that would be one of the guys I would want the most. I think I would go Jones Mims right below. And then, you know, you can, you can, flip a coin on, on the other guy's bond. Like you said, kind of an interesting situation. We'll see what happens because of that diluted sample. But um, you know, I, I think that's, that's kind of my preference. An offensive line fixes a lot of things, a lot of deficiencies, excuse me, deficiencies around the, the rest of the team or the rest of the offense. So if you can solidify that offensive line, do it, do it now. And then you can get still another good wide receiver top round three. That's probably my preference. I'd be fine with it the other way around though.
0: Yeah, and I think the more we talk about this, the more it – like I know a lot of people want a linebacker there, and I think outside of Patrick Queen, there's probably not a guy that's worth that spot. Uh, The more this process goes on, the more I just am not infatuated with Kenneth Murray. And the more I think Murray is probably a surefire pick to go in the first round, and Queen is kind of up in the air in terms of where he's going to go. But I think the draft does play out the best if you wait until rounds three or four to address the linebacker, despite how big of a need it is. And then you have – that the top of the second round being a place where one of the wide receivers, or one of the tackles like Jones can fall into their laps there. So I think that would be the best way to to address that situation. And again, Ebenezer I, I, I still don't know how to say his name. I don't people spell it differently all the time. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna continue with Ebenezer. So if he falls there, I wouldn't count him out as the pick. I think they would grade him as a first rounder, but me personally i I, I would like another option there. All right, where are we going next? Let's see here. I want to, I want to address um, a question from new MLB commissioner and he asks, let's assume Burrow doesn't choose a number nine, doesn't go with what his number at LSU was. What number would you like to see him wear? And I think this comes down to availability more than anything, because unfortunately, number 10 is taken by a guy that I wouldn't want to change his number. Kevin Huber, who's a Cincinnati native. I mean, pe- people talk about Burrow coming home to, to Ohio. Well, Kevin Huber has been here this his entire life and make, maybe no, he's a punter or whatever, but he's still one of the longest tenured Bengals on this roster and he's grown up here. So I wouldn't want Burrow to, you know, flex his guns and make him change his numbers. So um, I don't know. Like what else is available besides number nine, I guess.
1: Well, you can, I mean, he, he can maybe do a trade with other, other players. I'm looking to see numbers here. Cause I don't know that offhand, uh, my, my first thought would maybe be number three. Um, yeah. just, I don't know, you know, a, which was nine. Uh, and to me is a yeah. seemingly better in the And it, according to, uh, the, the current roster on bangles.com, you know, you got Bullock wearing number four, Finley wearing number five, Dola Gala wearing boomers old number of seven. And then you got Huber at 10. Um, so I would say my, my personal would be three or my favorite number 13, that would be, and 13 doesn't appear to be taken at the, at the moment either. So that would be, those would be my preferences.
0: Yeah. I think and three was Palmer's college number, I think, and it was Kidna's number here. So, I mean, yeah, that would make sense. Um, I, I have no problem with him taking nine. I don't think he's going to have a problem with that either. So I think that's just what we should expect.
1: Yep. So let's move on here. I, I don't want to belabor this one too long because we've we've talked about it a little bit on the show before when we've talked about this player. But uh, someone tweeted at us, is, is their name Do You Like Apples? Is that, is that what their yes. name is? Yes. That's really yes. funny. Uh, I love Geo's heart, but why would anyone ever use him? To pick up a pass rusher, he's going to die out there. Not because he's not good, because he's just so small <laughs> compared to linebackers that he's trying to block. Have you watched Giovanni Bernard pass block? Have you? I mean, I've that blocked. might be one of the better facets of his game, believe it or not. I mean, I've seen him go in. I, I did a, a post a couple of years ago talking on CityJungle.com talking about what Giovanni Bernard brings as a triple-headed running back—not just a runner, not just a receiver, but as a blocker—and unfortunately. If you look at some of the statistics, you, you kind of go, well, second-round pick, this guy seems to be an explosive guy. Why haven't the stats been there? A lot of times, especially in recent years, because of the deficiencies on the offensive line, when he's been out there, he's had to pick up blitzers, and he's done it pretty effectively. So I understand just from the you know 35,000-foot view of things, yeah, he's small, and, and you worry about his viability. There, he's pretty good at picking up blitzers. He, he, I've seen him do it a number of times and be effective.
0: Yeah, that sounds like an anonymous scout quote. To be honest with you, It's just yeah. looking at Gio's size yeah. and just saying, yeah, he can't pass <laughs> block. Um, I would trust if there was a if there was a three hundred if there was a two hundred fifty pound man coming at me, and I had the choice between Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon to protect me, I would pick Bernard ten times out of ten. Yep. because Joe Mixon can't pass block
1: Let's go, Dan in Tennessee texted us. He wanted just a qu- some quick thoughts on his four round mock. He's got Burrow, Isaiah Wilson at number thirty three, Jordan Brooks, the linebacker from Texas Tech, you profiled on last show, and the wide receiver from the University of Kentucky, Bowden, with his number with his fourth round pick. What do you think of that four round mock?
0: Uh, the first three rounds, including Burrow are fantastic. I don't know if Wilson's going to be there at the top of the second, but I think he's a guy that would intrigue Jim Turner a lot and would potentially solve the right tackle position for the future. Jordan Brooks is the ideal 34 inside linebacker. Doesn't provide a lot of value in coverage, but a guy you would want to groom under Josh Bynes. I don't know what Bowden is to be honest with you. I think he's just this positionless Brad Smith type player who can make a lot of guys miss, but just would have to, I, I don't know how he's going to succeed in the NFL as a receiver. I think it's possible that he can. I'm not doubting him. I think he has some form of athleticism to separate. But I think a lot of his production is going to be um, schemed for him, and it might be better if he just switches to running back. But it's kind of like it, it's, it's, you don't exactly know what he's going to be. He has traits more to be a running back than a receiver. But, you know, you, you like the production relative to Kentucky's passing game, which was just abysmal. And at at, it, it just seems like a player that you have to pick earlier than you want to because some other team's going to try to take a chance on that. Another team that's more comfortable with where, the, with where the roster is, and I don't think the Bengals are in that position yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to look at a player like that, I would I would more go to the Antonio Gibson route. Um, you know, if you're going to try and get get creative and find a, a guy that you want to do different things with on your offense, I I'd go. I know the sample size is a lot smaller with Gibson, but um, you know, that's a guy that I I think you can do a lot of different things with um, and that may be more worth a fourth round pick rather than, than Bowden. Um, One thing I will say before we move on to the next question, Isaiah Wilson is a guy who has been rising, rising, rising. He was a guy that was, you know, maybe second round, third round, maybe even fourth round early in the process. And now all of a sudden, as people watch more film, they see how effective that Georgia offensive line was, by the way, there's, there's three, viable prospects uh, on that Georgia offensive line that uh, could be very good offensive linemen in the pros, those uh, Wilson Thomas and then Kinley who you profiled in one of our prospect watch list. Um, so good players along that line. Bengals like Georgia, mm-hmm. Georgia players, by the way, they like them. They, they draft them all the time. So could be a possibility. Isaiah Wilson, though, is a guy, John, that has been rising, rising, rising. And now there's first round chatter with this guy. Um, yeah potential that he may not even be there at 33 or he could be a viable second round prospect you like him though right
0: yeah i think he's young enough to get better and obviously that size isn't going anywhere and he's a little bit more athletic than you would expect for a guy that big but i think in terms of what turner is going to like i think he's going to like him a lot if he's there
1: Going a little long here, but we've got a ton of questions that we're trying to sift through. We're going to be here for a couple more minutes. Appreciate all of you tuning in and joining us live, listening after the fact. If you're unable to join us live, get the program on a number of different podcast platforms. However you want to listen to the audio, we're basically on all those channels from apple to google play to all that stuff you can also get our videos on youtube as well as material from matt minnick and his uh chalk talk episodes as well as orange is the new black the podcast from ace boogie and zim Hude. uh and sorry if i spit when i speak is making a comeback with us too so daddy mcduke and Hoji Smoji are uh, doing some work there. Check out all of that stuff on our channels, subscribe to our channels so you can be notified when we go live so you're able to join us and submit questions, talk to us, all that good stuff. And also be alerted as to when new material is coming out. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we've got a lot of material coming out over the next week, week and a half between the numerous interviews that we've already conducted, Icky Woods, Sean Salisbury, sean williams we've got anthony muñoz next week we've got dahani jones next week Uh, you know all those interviews coming up as well as different episodes from all of the gang get subscribe to our channels and get notified as to when all that stuff is coming out where do you want to go next john we've only got a few more minutes i think Uh, you got another one you
0: want to tee up here yeah, I got a, I got two more that I would like to get to. I'm gonna start in the YouTube comments section with Mark Fry. He's asking, Do the Bengals still believe in Bobby Hart? Ooh. So I think I, I think this answer is a lot similar to just their overall thoughts on the offensive line. I All think right. they look at Hart as a guy that they can at least feel somewhat comfortable about going into 2020. But if they have the opportunity to see a clear upgrade or to get a clear upgrade, they will probably pounce on that opportunity. I think they're gonna give we've said this multiple times on the show. They're going to try to give Fred Johnson as much opportunity as possible to beat out Bobby Hart at right tackle. And if one falls in the first couple of rounds and they like him and they like him enough to either compete at right guard or right tackle to also get Bobby Hart out of there, I think they're going to be really invested in that, in that opportunity as well. So I think I think Bobby Hart just showed who he was last year as a guy whose performance is really dependent upon who he who he faces a, a, in the opposition. If he faces a top-tier pass rusher, he's just not going to do very well for you. If he faces a guy who, who could barely belongs in the league, he won't give up a lot of pressures. It's just a, a lot about who he faces on a week-to-week basis. So I think the Bengals know that. I think they know that he's just good enough to just go out there and feel somewhat comfortable. But if they have an opportunity to upgrade, I think they would be in, in, interested in that.
1: Yeah, it depends on who you ask within the Bengals organization. I think they would put up the front that they love their offensive line, and they think they've got more talent than – other outsiders seem to view. And I mean, they've touted the fact that they, they like this offensive line. If Josh Jones is there, if Isaiah Wilson's there, if some of these guys that we've talked about on this program, a number of times, if someone's there, how, how tied to Bobby Hart are you? Right. I mean, it's, right. that's a big temptation to say this guy could improve us, if not day one, then in 2021, he he this guy could improve that side of the line. The one thing, you know, combing through some of our past episodes, the one thing I remember us talking about recently that I'm curious to know, this this regime, this coaching regime has shown a willingness, I don't want to say an eagerness, but a willingness to move on from poor free agent contracts that they've recently signed. I think we talked about it with Ben baby, right? Yeah. They've shown a willingness to move on from some of these poor free agent contracts. A lot of us deem Bobby Hart in that category, affordable by starting right tackle standards, but talent wise is he starting right tackle standard. So that's, that could be an interesting situation that plays out this, this spring and summer, If the Bengals maybe even double dip at offensive line, offensive tackle in the draft, might they be inclined to say, you know, thanks, we're going to get that contract off the books, maybe go towards a Joe Mixon extension, maybe go towards an A.J. Green multi-year extension to free up more money as you do that with Andy Dalton's contract off the books. That, to me... What happens next, it's not really true. I'm not giving a true answer, but I'm very curious to see how the Bengals operate next week when it comes to offensive tackles because they can say all they want that they, they're married to Bobby Hart, but actions speak louder than words, and I think what they may show us next week could give a big peek into the future of Bobby Hart.
0: Just like our friend Tracy McBrady says, the devil you know. That's, yep. just, how it's, that's yep. just how it is right now.
1: Yep. But they've they've – They've moved on from Preston Brown once they realized that was a bad contract. This regime moved on from Drake Kirkpatrick, realizing they were not getting what they needed out of that contract. Bobby Hart could be another guy that they say, you know, we've got a young, talented, cheaper player in the draft that's ready to start right now and will give us more than what Bobby Hart is giving us. Let's get that contract off the books and put it towards more of our, co- our core players to extend them long-term Potentially surround Burrow with more of those skill position weapons for for a couple of years. Maybe that's the route they look. You had one more you wanted to get to. Is that correct? Yeah,
0: just real, just real quick. Uh, we have a comment on the website uh, post thread from Don Mega. He's asking about Willie Gay Jr. PFF is really high on Willie Gay. In fact, they have him higher than Kenneth Murray. I would kind of agree with that assessment, but he has huge red flags in terms of character because he unfortunately missed some time because he punched his quarterback in the face a couple years ago. How do you think he'll be viewed and valued by Zach Taylor and company? Um, I think they actually have a unique connection to him. Like they have a unique connection to Denzel Mims because the Bengals still employ Mims' former wide receiver coach, Bob Bicknell. He's the wide receivers coach. Last year, their linebackers coach, um, Tim Lukabu was actually the linebackers coach at, at Mississippi state. So he personally coached Willie Gay when he first got there and doubled all these issues. Lukabu is now the defensive coordinator at Boston College, but there's no doubt that if they are interested in Willie Gay, they or have shown interest in him, they would have surely have contacted Lukabu to get a full profile on him. So I think they actually have more of an insight on his character and his potential red flags than most other teams do. And if if Lukabu had still been here on the staff, I think he would have been a favorite to be drafted by this team. Since he's not, I I think it's still very much up in the air because he doesn't pass a lot of the production profiles and just the experience or thresholds that the Bengals have at the linebacker position. But I think they're actually know a lot more about Willie Gay than most other teams. Willie Gay is
1: one of those, you know, high upside, little bit of risk type of guys, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot to like there in terms of the player. There's a lot of things that make you go, you know, take a step back a little bit, flinch a little bit, but there, there is a, and and he's one of those guys that if you're in the middle rounds, you haven't grabbed a linebacker yet, and and you feel because they've done their due diligence, because they had a former coach on their on their staff here that knows him, you know, maybe they could tap that resource to get to to really get a, a good cue. But last year when Zach Taylor came aboard, he you know it, character character character, and there was there right. was a lot of signs that pointed to, yeah, he stuck to that. There were a couple of inconsistencies with that philosophy with some hires and, and uh, other things, but I, I don't know if he hasn't really, I mean, he hasn't come out on that platform as heavily this year. So I don't know if, if they, you know, that was just a, you know, we're building this culture this way right now, year one. I don't know if that was kind of his Bullhorn, you know, his his stump speech type of thing. Or if it's more, you know, now they've got some of the pieces, they had some of the sway that they got, you know, in free agency. Now they can be a little more lax in terms of some character issues. You don't want to go wild with it. You don't want to go mid Bengals 2000s with it because that, that then, you know, you got just lunacy everywhere. (laughs) So you don't want that. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe they've, they feel comfortable enough based on the culture that they, they have. And by the way, the free agents they brought in, John, those are known as high-quality character guys too, as well as being talented players. DJ Reader's known as a high-quality character guy. Trey Waynes, we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, high-quality guy. So they are still prioritizing it, maybe just not being as vocal
0: about it. Right, and it's all going to come down to how they're him as a player too. I think he's getting a lot of buzz in the round two area. Um, so that might be a little bit too early for them. If he's there in round three, yeah. I think he becomes becomes a legitimate option. But like you said, it, it'll come down to how much they trust him, and that'll come down to what they hear from Lukabu. It'll come down to how they interacted with him in any type of virtual setting. So maybe. You know, I think he's talented enough to intrigue them. He brings a lot of attributes that they don't have at the position. So And like you said, he can kind of be groomed under binds of a veteran who can kind of show him the ropes for a year so. I would I would like it but it will come down to, to where he's drafted.
1: Let's let's start to get out of here. We're still getting other questions I want to take, but we're going long here. Uh, I see Jonathan Milligan saying if Ruiz is on the board at 33, do you think the Bengals consider him Cesar Ruiz, the Michigan interior offensive lineman? I think he's I think he's an intriguing guy and a guy you can move around a different, you know, center or guard. So I think that the versatility factor is something to to be liked there. I don't know, given, given the way this team and their inconsistent stance on interior, how they value interior offensive linemen, be it not paying them in free agency, Eric Steinbach, Kevin Zeitler. I mean, you can go back on that, but with Steinbach second round, top of the second round pick, right? Um, Kevin Zeitler, first round pick. So there's some inconsistencies on how they value interior offensive linemen. I think he would be in the mix I don't know that he would be the the pick. I think they would maybe look more a a true offensive tackle or wide receiver personally, but if there's a run on, if there's a run on both, which is very possible in the late first, you know, they, they may say, okay, now we got to re reshift the focus a little bit. Who's left. This interior offensive lineman is really high on our board, but the versatility thing really makes him a desirable player
0: he's clearly the best interior lineman in this class with maybe Robert Hunt being like the close second. Mm -hmm. The problem is, like you said, he can't play tackle. And I think that's that's something that they're going to prioritize if they dress the offensive line early. But the first round shakes out a way where a lot of tackles and receivers go and there's not a linebacker they like. Maurice could easily be at the top of the board with like a a mid-first round grade. It just depends on how how highly they they view him as. But, I mean, for a lot of people, he'll be a, a best player available if he's there at 33. It'll just come down to how high he's on the Bengals board.
1: The the other – that's an interesting point you bring up, that if, if Ruiz was a guy that was noted as one of the most – or the most talented guard that also had tackle – if he was a guard-tackle versatile guy instead of a guard-center versatile guy, I think this would be a completely different conversation. He would be a guy, bar none, at 33 they would look at, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that was kind of some of the stuff. Steinbach was a guy when they drafted him – Maybe a little center, center versatility, but athletic enough in pass protection as a guard that could play tackle in a pinch. So he was a guy that they were like, well, we could put this guy in numerous places and still right. have an effective offensive lineman." Ruiz doesn't have that tackle flexibility. He he is an interior offensive lineman, so that's why that's what makes it a little bit uh, a little bit confusing here. Before we get out of here, John, this is one of the last, I think this will be the last listener questions, true listener questions show we'll have before the draft. We may, maybe if there's high demand, we'll do another one if we have time. We've got so much going on over the next week, but I want to, I want to ask this. We got a text from somebody basically, uh, I think it was the 614 area code. Is the team actively considering they have many needs? Um, You know, of course it sounds like a Dalton backup, you know, might they trade back all that kind of stuff. We're not, we're not talking about the trade back from number one. All indications, including from Zach Taylor himself, have said that they like being a number one. They have got they seem to be set on who they're taking a number one. We think it's Joe Burrow. All of that, yeah. Gut feeling right now, less than a week away from the draft, how many picks do you think the Bengals end up with overall in the class, be it from a Dalton trade, be it from moving back, both, maybe even Billy Price, moving some of these other guys we've kind of talked about a little bit. Your gut feeling right now, how many picks do you think the Bengals end up with in the class?
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna say nine. I think mm. ultimately they're gonna trade back in round two, and maybe pick a player that we're gonna be surprised about, which is kind of it's kind of like the theme of the past couple of years. And I think they have to get one or two picks from that, and I think one player gets traded for a pick. I'm just going to say that I don't know who it's going to be. It could be Bernard. It could be Dalton. It could be somebody else, but I think they're, they showed the willingness to be active in terms of turning over the roster. There's no way. I I think they're going to be with less than seven, seven be the bare minimum. I don't think they're going to trade up in any way, shape or form without trading back later, but I'm going to, I'm going to say nine.
1: I will say eight, nine is possible, but I will say eight. And I don't think the Bengals will trade back in the, from the second round. I don't think they'll move back at, from 33. I think there's going to be just too many talented people there. that they, they, And they may have learned a lesson by doing that last year, moving back, thinking they could get a Cody Ford, a Dalton Reisner, whoever, to fall to them by moving back. All of a sudden, those guys go right in front of them, and then they take Drew Sample, right? So I I think maybe they learned a little bit of a lesson there. I do think third round is possible. I think they move back in the third round because probably what happened, they'll think that someone else is going to fall to them at 65, and then they'll probably see a run on some players that they really like, and then they'll move back a little bit, maybe collect another fourth, another fifth, depending on the value there. That's that's my – you know another day three pick is what I think is going to happen. You may get something for a Dalton. I don't think they're going to trade Gio. I don't. I, I maybe a Billy Price, and that would net a day three pick. But for now, I will say eight, where they move back further back into the third round and maybe get another day three pick. But anything's possible. Anything's possible. I do think they want more than seven.
0: It's fair, and I think as long as they maximize the thirty third and one hundred seventh overall pick, the, the at the top of the second, top of the fourth, either get a guy who clearly should have went either in the in the in the round before or get a good haul. if there isn't a guy that you're comfortable with there, I think you have to maximize that opportunity to the fools. Indeed.
1: And there will be a lot to digest and talk about over the next week. Plus, and we will be doing a lot of it on this program. He's John Sharon. I'm Anthony Kazenza. This has been listener questions live presented by new era caps. So go get your draft gear, wherever it may be sold online. You may need to do a little bit of rush shipping, but that's okay. Get it, get it going, get it to your house, uh, for the draft or shortly after to celebrate the class that's coming in here. Thanks to new era for supporting the program. Again, this has been listener questions live. Keep it to the, the podcast channel. Not only will we be giving you a number of different, uh, episodes. One thing we've been doing is splicing up some of our 2020 prospect watch list, uh, profiles and we've put those into standalone episodes right now it's on our youtube channel but we'll do more and they'll be added to the audio kind of splicing up and adding them by position groups or by defensive groups so keep your eyes out for those especially over the weekend and then beginning next week we've got anthony muñoz joining us for an interview we've got tahani jones joining us for an interview very psyched about those two interview opportunities We've got the weekly show on Wednesday, and then we'll be breaking down everything day by day in the NFL draft. A lot to get to. There's also other interviews, Sean Williams, Sean Salisbury, a lot of different big names that have been on the slate of Cincy Jungle Bengals podcast program. So go check out all that stuff, download it, subscribe to our channels, get the show, however you listen to your podcast. Anything else before we get out of here, John. We tried to get to as many questions. We lumped a few in together that were kind of similar. So we apologize if we didn't get to yours. We'll try and get to more, but we appreciate the feedback. Anything else, John, before we bounce on out of here?
0: uh, uh th- Thank you to you guys. I was able to get to talk about today because of the money that I make from the show, that oh, we make from the oh. show. So shout out to all you guys. Uh, it's been It's been a wild month, and it's going to be a wild week next week, so be sure to check in. It will be. And we, I see some
1: people asking, you know, are you guys going live Thursday? Yeah. My right now, my thought is that we will probably be live shortly before the draft starts, maybe a seven 30 Eastern or seven forty five Eastern or something to that effect. And then from there we go through the announcement of the pick, talk about the pick, stay on for a handful of picks beyond that. And then, you know, maybe cut it from there so we can all hang out, maybe, maybe turn it into a happy hour session, depending on what the team actually does and who they select. And if we want to celebrate, but uh, that's kind of my sort of plan right now. I don't know, John and I will talk about it and we will definitely let you know on upcoming episodes about what we're going to do. But right now that's kind of a little bit of the plan, at least for night one, probably something similar for the next couple of nights and days of the draft as well. So. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in. John, thanks, man. Glad you got your Taco Bell in today. And uh, we'll, we'll see everybody next week. Check out all the interviews and other stuff that we have already posted and the ones coming up next week. We'll see you next time.